Well, welcome back, everybody. Uh, I'm thrilled you're with us this morning as we continue our uh, summer series that we're in right now, learning how to bear much fruit. Jesus says we abide in him and he abides in us. We're going to bear much fruit. Jesus is the vine that we're connected to, so it's going to be Jesus' fruit. That's what we're after here. Uh, And in the process, we're going to act more like Jesus. That's always a good thing. And Paul describes this fruit of the Spirit that we've been looking at that's going to manifest in our life. It should be manifesting all over us as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And today, the spiritual fruit that uh, I want to talk about today is um, it's one that I have to admit uh, I have the hardest time with. Patience. Patience. There, there are some messages that I preach out of my strength. I feel like, yeah, I've got that one under my belt. So, you know, I'm just going to tell you guys and hey, y'all just need to be more like me, right? This is not one of them. Uh, this isn't, this, this is like one where I'm praising God. Uh, he is growing patience in me. He is helping me become more patient. He's doing it slowly. And I just wish he would hurry up uh, with the patience. Let's look at First uh, Thessalonians. He says this. He says, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive and encourage the disheartened. I like that. Warn those who are idle and disruptive and encourage the unheartened. Isn't that kind of like what the Holy Spirit does, right? He, he comforts the afflicted and he afflicts the comfortable. He says, help the weak and be patient with everyone. Be patient with everyone over in Colossians. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And Paul, he he goes on, he makes this really practical, intensely practical here. He says, here's what patience looks like. Bear with each other, forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's a high standard right there. And then what does he say? Over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. And that's what we've been talking about from the very beginning. Everything we're talking about this summer, all these qualities are really expressions of love. Over all of this, put on love. Now, when we put on patience, here's one I want to mention this a couple of times. I just want to reiterate this. It's important to remember that what Paul is not doing here in this series, I don't want you to get this wrong. In this series, what he's not doing is giving us a a to-do list. Paul is not Uh, trying to heap on some condemnation on you. He's not trying to give you some more law. Like here's some things, a whole bunch of stuff you need to do. This is not a bunch of new rules of behavior. A lot of times we make kind of Christianity just a whole bunch of new rules of behavior. He's not what he's, not new rules of behavior that you need to live up to because Paul is really, he's not interested in just prettying up the way we look. What Paul is interested in is changing the kind of people we are. He wants to change the kind of people we are. And what he wants us to do is ask, are we walking in love? Am I getting my life from God here? So we often read the scriptures this way. And uh, as Christians, this shouldn't be us. We read it like one, just another big list of rules, you know, one after the other for how we should act. But behavior, do you know behavior is not the, uh, is not the issue? Behavior is the symptom the, the scriptures te- treat sin like a sickness. 
It treats sin like a sickness. The, the cause of the behavior is the issue. The cause of the behavior. And what Paul is getting across is, here's what love looks like. And, and if you're walking in love, if you have the love of God in you, here's the fruit of that. Here's the fruit of that. So we always want to remember, behavior is not what we're, we're not just trying to like change everybody's behavior here. We're trying to get to the root of things. Sin is a sickness. Uh, Jesus talked about sin, uh, and he talked about the soul as being sick. He talked about it being broken. He said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to heal. Isn't that interesting? He came to heal. So he wants to heal us today. And the goal of the fruit of the Spirit here is not to give you, here's nine hurdles you need to jump across, right, in order to win God's heart. That's not what it's about. The goal here is to check your heart to see if you're allowing God to grow you in love. So let's talk about this fruit of patience a little bit today. It's no surprise to you if you come to generations very long. Uh, we know, right, that the Bible uh, was not written 100 years ago or 200 years ago. It was written 2,000 years ago. The New Testament was written about 2,000 years ago, right? It was written in a completely different language, Greek. Did you know English did not even exist? There was nobody on the planet that spoke English or anything even close to English. And so it's important for us sometimes to go back and say, well, what, what did they say? And how have they translated that word? Because even sometimes the words that we are used to, the way they translated it was actually translated back in the 1600s. And we don't even speak the same English they spoke in the 1600s. So it's good for us to look every once in a while here and uh, to look. We're going to learn a little bit of Greek today, uh, which I know is just your favorite thing. So the word for patience in uh, the Greek is the this word macrothumia, macrothumia, macro, in this context, it means long, long. Thumia literally means a hot wind, but the way it's used in the scriptures and in the daily parlance was a hot anger. It's like a rage. Another word for it in the scriptures, thumia, was rage. And so what this kind of, we would say, it means literally is slow, to anger. It's a long way, to be a long way from anger. We, we talk about people having a short fuse, right? That person's got a short fuse, he's got a short temper, he just flies off the handle. Or do you have a long fuse, a long temper? So that's kind of the way they would say it too. Um, and so macrothumia is to be long-tempered. It takes a long time. You've got a very long fuse. And another good word for patience uh, sometimes in the Bible is endurance. We could think of it as endurance. It's a great word because to be patient is to endure, to be willing to endure. You're enduring patiently. And more often, sometimes we, we talk about uh, it's a long time that you're having to endure. Like we tell our kids, be patient. Like, are we there yet? You know, can I, I'm bored. Can I do this? What they're wanting to do, they're enduring a long amount of time. And that's one thing, one way we have to endure. But more often than not, especially for us grown-ups, what we need to learn to endure isn't, isn't necessarily time, but people, right? And that's why patience in the scriptures, mostly in the New Testament, where, where it talks about patience, it always refers to a Christ-like response to difficult people. A Christ-like response to difficult people. So we're responding in love rather than anger, rather than, you know, we're, we're a long way from that anger. We keep that anger far away. Now, let's, let's take a, a couple of minutes and look at this, this word uh, anger, because we want to we be free uh, from from, from anger here. So the, one of the first words, uh, most common words used in the New Testament for anger is this word orge, orge. 
Orge is kind of a very general word. It's, it's really the emotion of anger. It means that you're upset. And uh, one, one scholar described it as it's something you value being devalued. Anytime something has been devalued that you value, you experience this emotion. And on one, on one hand, orge is, is kind of a normal emotion. Now get this. It is not sin, not yet, okay? Because emotion, just emotion is not sin. Having an emotion is not a sin, right? Not yet, right? You can get angry. Say you value your car and someone keys it in the parking lot, right? Ah, uh, you valued that thing. And, and instantly, what you're going to feel? You're going to feel this like, ah, uh, this emotion, emotion because what you value is devalued. Or maybe someone was rude to you. Uh, or you see someone being rude or abused, someone you love, someone you care about, that's naturally going to make you feel this anger. And you know, it doesn't even have to be a big thing, does it? Uh, to feel anger of something you value being devalued. It could be, it could be just the way you're treated at work. You, your work is devalued. It makes you feel, ugh, makes you feel that emotion of anger. You go get a new hairdo and nobody notices, right? It's like, man, that was really important to me. Nobody saw. I can, it's, all, it's high and tight. Nobody saw. Nobody noticed. You feel, uh, you know, the word we use today is dissed. We were dissed. We were disrespected. We feel disrespected or devalued. Something about that. Uh, in the Bible, Jesus, he valued people. He valued also the temple as the house of God. And, and there were other people who didn't. They turned it into this religious supermarket uh, where the poor were being exploited and he got upset about that. He, it made Jesus angry. Now, so let's, let's keep this in mind. Anger, orge, not necessarily a sin. Now, what you value, uh, it may be carnal. You may be valuing something that's very superficial, uh, that's trivial, self-serving. Maybe the amount of value you put on something is unhealthy. Uh, but the fact that you get angry when someone devalues something is not necessarily a sin. That's an ordinary human emotion, okay? Scripture, however, uses another word for anger, and that word is parorgismos, parorgismos. Um, this word is literally a combination of para and that orge we just looked at. And, and so there's that orge again, um, but parorgismos is not okay. Okay, orge is an emotion. It's just the emotion. You were just, you know, you were created with emotions. It's just an emotion you feel, you experience it. There it is. Parorgismos is something different. Paro means under or down under. It means pushed down. And so imagine this is like, this is like this submerged anger now. It's not a healthy everyday emotion. And even a psychologist will tell you this, right? It happens when we swallow our anger. This is, I would think of this as like seething. Mm, and you're just walking with it now, right? It's happened. And now you're just, you're owning this thing. And instead of dealing with it, you swallow it, you stuff it. You might even put on a, ve a veneer that everything's okay, right? We do this a lot down south. We call it manners, right? No, that's great. That's so great that you did that. But, but it, we might even feel extra righteous. We'll call it patience. Look how patient I am. <laughs> we call, oh, I'm, so, I'm not being so patient. Actually, that's not patience. According to the scripture, we'll get into this. That's not scriptural. It's not biblical. It's not kingdom patience, right? What we're doing is actually toxic. 
It's toxic because it's, it's para-orge. We're swallowing our anger. The anger's still there, though, isn't it? Remember, it's not about behavior. It's about our heart. Paul's not just trying to tell everybody, act less angry. Everybody act less angry. He, didn't, he never said that. No, no, no. It, it's the fruit of patience that we want. But, but this para-orge is a mask. It's a mask. And it puts, the anger's still there. It's just sitting in our guts, polluting our whole system. And it, it leads to resentment. It leads to hate. It can lead to something even worse. It's not natural to just swallow your orge. This is often translated in scriptures as bitterness. Bitterness. And we've all felt this. I mean, this isn't a condemning sermon. We've all felt this because you're a human being, Right? So we've all felt this bitterness because when you swallow anger, you swallow orge, and it's toxic. And scripture actually does call this sin, okay? It's sin. It's something Jesus wants to help cure. He wants to heal this in us. And there's even a third level now of anger. Let's get into this because it's important. And this is the word thumos. You can probably hear uh, the, the root of this word, the word we get the word thermal, like a thermometer uh, or thermonuclear war. Uh, the, this is explosive anger, what scripture often calls rage. It's translated rage sometimes, thumos. And this is, this is when you pop, right? Uh, every, and it's always a destructive thing. It's not a Christ-like fruit that we're to bear. And so we've got three different forms of anger here. And here's what I want to say want us to see. This is really cool. There's a passage that flushes this out really nicely in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says, be angry, but do not sin. Hmm. Okay, so just feeling the anger is not a sin. You see something, you're like, man, that makes me mad. Okay, you're, not ang- you're angry, but you're, you don't sin. Then he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. What's so cool is he uses, there's actually two different words here. Don't let the sun go down. He says, be angry. There's the orge, but don't let the sun go down on your para orge. Don't hold on to this anger and go to bed with it. Don't pretend like you're happy. Don't pretend like everything's okay when you're really seething. And now your orge becomes this para orge. Why not? He says in verse 27, because you give the devil a foothold. So this is serious stuff, right? He's not just telling you, here's how to be a nicer person. This is serious stuff. We're talking about like satanic level stuff here. The devil, we're giving him a foothold. We're giving him the devil room to maneuver, right? And so before we, we hear that first part, like Orge is not necessarily saying, we're like, yay, I get to be angry. All right, cool. <laughs> Pressure's on, I can be angry. No, no, no. Notice the most positive thing Paul can get to, the most positive thing he can say about angry being angry is get rid of it right away. That's the best thing he can say. Get rid of it right away. Something makes you feel anger, that orge, don't hold on to it. If you do, you make room for the satanic. It burrows down. It burrows down in the form of that para orge. You know, Satan is the prince of darkness. He's the prince of darkness. He thrives in the shadows, right? Wherever there's concealment, wherever there's untruth, wherever there's duplicity between the inside and the outside, oh, that is his happy place. That's where he can work on us. And isn't that insidious? Because as a Christian and church people, we're kind of told, hmm, don't, don't show anything like that. Just, just push it down in there, right? And we think we're doing the right thing. I mean, ah, uh, 
How brilliant is that of the devil, right? He's got us thinking we're being more righteous when he's like, this is where I work, in the darkness. He gets in there, he begins to work, and this cancer of bitterness is forming in us and in our life. And it's not pretty. It's not pretty at all. Can you see, can you see how far removed we are from this whole idea of just behavior modification? See, we're not here today just to learn behavior modification. Here's how to act less angry. That's not at all what I'm interested in talking to you about. So orge, orge, uh, orge that's not dealt with, it turns into this para-orge, it infects us, it pollutes us, it results later, it can result in thumos, right? You're this seething kettle, and before long, you're going to pop. And it's not going to be Jesus-y, it's not going to be Christ-like, it's never going to be, it's not, when you explode with rage, nobody's blessed by that. And you know, it could be something really little. It might not be that enormous injustice in the world that really sets you off. It can be what we call the last straw. How many of you have experienced the last straw? If you're a parent, yeah, <laughs> you know what the last straw, it could be the littlest thing in the world. For some reason, it always, the last straw drops about 5 p.m. in the afternoon. I don't know, because you spent the whole day trying your best. About 5 p.m. for me, that's, that's where, yeah. Oof. But see, rage, it isn't necessarily about the thing that happened. It's not because, you know, that, that little time that they backtalked you or somebody dissed you or cut you off in the parking lot. It's not that that was the worst thing in the world. It's not about that. Sometimes it's about what happened three weeks ago that's still working on you. And, and, and it's been sleeping. You've been sleeping on this all this time and it seethes and it boils until you go boom. And then, see, what happens is we become these kind of angry people if, if we don't let the Lord deal with this, what happens is eventually we become people, anger doesn't even pass through the, the para-orge stage. We just go from orge to thumos. Do you know those people, right? It's just the littlest thing. It's the littlest thing, it just sets them off. You go, you know, you go from some innocent little disc to DEFCON 1 in five seconds. Um, orge, straight to thumos. And so what's tragic too Here's, an, here's another symptom of this. Uh, when folks become, and this happens a lot in the church, again, um, when folks become so good at swallowing anger, because we're told that's, that's good manners, that's good righteousness, we should swallow anger, that we not only swallow orge, but you can swallow thumos. You swallow that. And when you swallow that rage, now it gets directed inward. This is when we experience things like self-hatred, self-loathing, depression, right? Because we have swallowed everything, even the, the biggest bomb there is, and it's just going off inside of us and maybe other people around us don't even know. But psychologists will tell you this. Even phobias can come out of that. The things that people are afraid of, they can come out of all sorts. It does all sorts of things because we're doing something that's unnatural. We're doing something unnatural. Orge is an emotion, it does, it's not a sin to have an emotion. It is what you do with that emotion that you're responsible for. And, and will you experience the emotion of anger? Acknowledge it. Say, huh, look at there. Hi, anger. <laughs> Deal with it through prayer that we're going to go with uh, over in just a second. And allow the fruit of patience to rule 
So not that it's just so that it's driven down. We want so that it is dissolved completely in love. Amen? How many of you would love for that to be a reality? To not just feel like I go through my day pushing down so much anger, but for it to actually be gone. Somehow, it to be gone, to be dissolved. Right? We can have that. Or we can just let anger take the wheel and take us wherever the storm blows. It's not about behavior modification. It's about the Lord growing love inside of us. Amen. See, without love, the best you can hope for is to suppress it. That's the best thing you can do, right? You, you do your very best at suppressing it. But with love, something else is possible. Now, let's look at another facet of this, because one of the most common questions I often get from folks is, um, and I've, you know, wrestled with this myself, when I talk about patience or anger, is what about injustice? What about injustice, right? Shouldn't we get angry at injustice? Um, and there are seriously unjust systems in the world. That is not to downplay that. There are things in this world that are inhuman. And, and we are called to be healers in our world, right? So we are called to do something. But here's, and here's what's interesting. The Bible, it never says that your anger is unjustified. It never says, don't be angry because you don't have a reason to be angry. So your anger is justified. It might be justified. What is different about the Christ follower, what's different about the disciple, if that's what we really want to be, we want to be different. If we want to be the ambassadors of the kingdom that he's called us to be, it, it isn't that nothing bothers us. It's not that we don't seek change. Nope, I'm just not going to, I'm going to ignore all that because I just have to stay in joy. No, no, no. It's that we are simply not, now get this, we are not to let anger be the fuel for our doing good in the world. Anger does not have to be the fuel for the good that we do in the world, okay? For the Christian, our fuel is always one thing, love. See the difference? Our fuel is love. So something can happen. Injustice can, can exist, and we might even feel that orge right in the big, oh, that's awful. Now, what am I going to do? I want to be ruled by love. I want to make a difference in the world. I'm gonna, my fuel for that is going to be love, not anger. Love, in fact, makes for a much more powerful motive. It makes for a more powerful motive anyway. We think, no, we need, I need the anger to let me. Did you know anger, more often than not, it destroys your enemies before it ever has the chance to convert them. That's really what anger does. It just wants to destroy them, right? Anger, it, it wants to conquer, not convert. And we're not called to conquer. We're called to influence, convert, love, right? You can't do that with anger. It's only possible with love. There's um, a really interesting uh, trick that the translators of the New Testament do uh, I find it fascinating, in the, especially in the King James Bible, if you kind of look at those. Like I said, it was about 1600 somewhere. Whenever orge is mentioned in the Bible referring to human beings, um, it's translated as anger. Uh, anger. And it's translated, though, as a completely different word if it's referring to God. It'll be that same Greek word, orge. But whenever it's talking about God's anger, what is the word it uses? Wrath. 
It'll use the word wrath. Uh, because ultimately, anger is the emotion associated with judgment. And so when it's talking about God's anger, it talks about this holy thing, God's wrath, right? Because it's the emotion associated with judgment. Um, why? Because he's qualified. God is qualified, right? He has the right. He's God. And so, but when it's us unleashing it, and if ever it uses the word wrath connected with a human, it, it's, it's one of the de seven deadly sins, right? Wrath is one of the big seven deadlies. Wrath is no good. It's a no-no for us, right? Because we are not the judge. We don't sit on the throne. To release anger is to sit on the seat of the judge over people, and there's only one judge, and you and I ain't him, right? And so that's why it is so unhealthy for us to walk in anger, because it's the emotion associated with judgment. Now, if I trust, if I can really trust that God will be the judge, well, then what do I get to do? I get to focus on love. I can focus on love. I can even focus on loving our enemies now, because it's not my job to judge them. And here's where we have a choice. In that moment, you feel the anger. You didn't choose to feel the anger. It's there. It just, there's the anger. But God, see, has created you to be a choice maker. He's created us to, we, we have a will. We're not robots. We're not pets. Um, we, we are not uh, deterministic slaves, just completely a slave to, you know, molecules and circumstances, and we can't help what happens. No, no, no. We get to choose what comes next after that moment when we feel anger welling up and that's what matters for us. That's what matters. Now is when you can choose to say, God, I'm going to let you be the judge. Let me get off this throne. Let me let you be the judge. I'm going to let you judge right now, Jesus. Teach me how to love this person. Teach me how to love this group of people, maybe, who I, I just don't understand. Teach me how to remain in faith rather than fear in a situation. Maybe it's a situation, maybe it's not like a human, but it's just like a whole situation that makes you angry. Help me to not be the judge here. Like we talked about earlier when Mel Melissa was up here. Uh, we've got to get off that throne, right? We have to say, Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus is Lord. And we, let, we can let that go because anger will chew us up. And, and we're just not meant to be the judges. You know, we're lousy judges. We're lousy at it. We, we, we've tried. I've tried. I'm just really bad at it. Um, and now here's the thing is God may use you as an instrument of justice or peace in a situation. Um, he, may, he may call upon you. It may be an appropriate response to, to stick up for somebody, right, who, who's being abused or something like that. It may be, you know, it may, he may, it may be the appropriate response, go march on the city or whatever that is, you know, to vote a certain way, uh, to, to defend the powerless. That's awesome. Justice, be the instrument of justice, but we're going to be led by the Spirit. We're led by love. Our fuel is in anger. That's what is going to be different from the world because really that's sort of the default fuel the world will go to. So even if we're, we're you know, we're standing up for something, a great cause, we have to check ourselves. It's, it's, we have to check ourselves continually. What is my motivation here? What is going on inside me? Lord, 
Create in me a clean heart. Create in me a heart of love. Let your love for me, and Lord knows you have been so patient with me. You have been so patient with me and not responded to me in anger, but in love. Even when I'm doing the wrong thing, you change me and grow me out of your love. So help me be that way toward people. Help me to want to be an instrument of change out of love. Because love is a better motivator. It's always a better motivator if you're looking to change the world. Uh, James, the brother of Jesus, this is a great scripture. James says, he, he was Jesus' brother, so I always like James. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Everyone. Uh, interesting. That Greek word for everyone, it means everyone. <laughs> wow. So I guess that's me. Everyone should be quick to listen. Man, just stop right there. Quick to listen. Mm. Is that our first response? Is that our first response when you encounter maybe somebody who disagrees with you, who holds a different position? Is the first thing you do is lean in and go, tell me more. I want to, yeah, yeah, working on it. That's good. Tell me more. Slow to speak. Slow to become angry. There's that macrothumia. It's far away. Now notice this. But Scott, I need my anger so I can do righteous things in the world. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Amen. Man, that's been convicting for me, right? Human anger. But God, it was for a good cause. I'm, I'm being righteously angry right here. And he says... Scott, that does not produce the righteousness that I desire. Human anger. Human anger. It's like a contradiction in terms to God. Human anger, those are just two things that probably don't even belong together, right? I'm not talking about that emotion. I'm talking about what we do with it, what we do with it next. That's not our fuel. We think it's my role to get angry. I got to crack some skulls because I'm into justice, man. And God says, don't buy into that. See, vengeance, seeking that, that isn't accomplishing what you think. Anger is not your friend. Amen. It's not your friend. You might think it is. My God, look how holy I am. I feel so holy right now because I'm just making me so angry. Right? It's not it. Slightly off topic. I was just reading a statistic the other day. And it was like this poll. It was like the... Sh it, it was so uh, shocking. It said like... Like up to 50% of people polled believe that the U.S. could be heading towards a civil war in the next few years. I was like, that can't be right. I like even Googled, so, no, is that, and it was like this valid poll. 50% of people think we could be heading towards a civil war. Like what? And then I got to thinking, how many Christians are in America there's like something like 75 to 80% of people profess to be Christians. So that can't be right. But it is. Oh my gosh, what is wrong with that picture, right? The church has a choice. We can be an instrument of love and totally 
diffuse this situation. We can head this country in a whole new direction or we can add fuel to the fire. We can be part of it or we can help this country go in a whole different way. And so I know you know all this, but you might have neighbors who even think it is their righteous duty to fan these flames. And God says, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. We are called to make disciples, right? We're called to make disciples. Oh, I don't know. I, 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 sometimes. Remember, last week we said that God said, leave room for my judgment. Remember he said, leave room for my justice. That's God's job. Praise the Lord. Now, uh, remember, Paul's, what, what he's getting at is primarily not about external behavior. He's not interested in how things just look. He's interested in what kind of person are we becoming, what kind of person are we becoming? Like I said, I'm preaching to you out of, out of one of my weaknesses here. So, so I'm right. I'm, I'm just, I'm preaching to myself. What kind of person am I becoming? It's not about the character you pretend to have in front of people. The character you pretend to be in front of people. It's the character you possess, right? Do you remember that old commercial? I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV, Right. <laughs> Well, see, that's great that you're, you're great at playing a doctor, but, you know, if I'm in a restaurant, I'm having a heart attack, I don't care if George Clooney's right beside me because he played like a really great doctor like 100 years ago. I want a doctor. I want somebody who actually knows what they're doing, who has that knowledge and that wisdom inside of them to help me come back to life, right? God is not interested in us in, in helping us to, be, to play better characters. This is not anything anything in Scripture is about. God isn't growing you into a person who becomes really good at hiding their anger, stuffing it down into this toxic, destructive place. What God is aiming at is to be a certain kind of person who is growing in love. We want to grow in love. If you get the love, if you're walking in love, Paul says there will be patience, right? You get the love, patience will follow. Remember, patience is the fruit. It's not the fertilizer, right? We don't have to act like we're patient. We need to grow in love. Patience will follow. That's why he says, if you live in love, uh, one of the scriptures, remember he said, if you live in love, you fulfill, you fulfill the whole law. That, you, mission accomplished. Way to go. You're walking in love. You're flowing in love. God's love for you. You have a good sense of God's love for you. That's important. And you're flowing that love right out to other people. You fulfill the whole law right there. If love is the center, well, then we're becoming more like Jesus. Jesus didn't die on the cross out of anger. I'm so mad at people. Oh, he did it because of love. Amen. He did it because of love. He even said, I mean, I could, I could. I could call down angels and like wipe you all out, I guess, if that was my motivation. But it's love. That's our ultimate goal is to become more like Jesus. It is possible to keep the whole law and not have love. It is possible for you and me to look like the most patient person in the world and we're being eaten up inside. So the patience isn't really there, right? It's still, it's still that anger is in there. First Corinthians, let's kind of pound this point home. I love First Corinthians 13, the love chapter, right? Even if I speak in tongues, if I don't have love, I'm only resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Even if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and I tell you everything that's about to happen in the world, if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. I am nothing. 
If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, one translation says to be burned, that I may boast, but I do not have love. I gain nothing. But love is what? Patient. 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 So what God's looking for is, is people who are just different. Right? This isn't just like a, a religion that we've joined. There's something different about the Christian. Right? It's why we call it the new life. That when we, we accept Jesus, there is something different. There is like a, a rebirth Scripture calls it, right? Use that word, like born again, all that kind of stuff. That's not just like religious language. There's like something different about us. And it's not just in the way we act, or it should, it should manifest that way, but there's something different in our very motivations. We're different. We're set apart in our whole thinking, the way we think, the way we approach things, the way we process the world, the way we think about conflict, the way we see other people. He's looking for people who walk in agape love, agape love. You remember how we define love back in week one? Love is the choice to relate to someone as infinitely valuable. It's the choice to relate to somebody as infinitely valuable. To look at one, someone regardless of their, their actions, they might have hurt us, or their attitudes, their attitudes just might be like off the chart, their beliefs or lifestyle might be like, ah, oh, that's just terrible. And say, Lord, thank you that this person has unsurpassable worth. I choose to assign this person unsurpassable worth, to relate to them as infinitely valuable, Lord God. I bless them. I choose to love them because you love them, because you died for them, right? And I'm never going to be far from that remembrance that you loved me. You died for me. You continue to have patience for me though I was unworthy. So the least I can do is extend that to others, extend that love, that patience to other people. Um, when you think about really what's going on inside of us when we feel impatience, what's really happening inside of us? Uh, uh, we could dive into that for a second. Ultimately, I think what is going on in our mind is that this person, the th when I think about the times I am, feel most impatient, it's when I think this person is not fitting into my plan, right? This person is not fitting into my agenda. Uh, there was a little while ago, I was late to something. I was supposed to meet somebody for lunch, and uh, I was running a little late, and I got behind a lady, and it was an older lady of unsurpassable worth who <laughs> was driving in front of me, and uh, bless her heart, I was in a hurry. This person was driving so, so very careful. She was being so careful. And um, you could, you know, the kind of person just like miles ahead of time, she's, she starts to slow down, even though the light's green, because they're, they're, it might turn yellow. And I'm thinking to myself, yellow means go as fast as you can. Everybody knows that. You've got time. You can do it, baby. Come on. We can do it. Let's do it. And uh, it was like, no. And then, and then we come to a stop sign, and it's like there was a car like four blocks away. And you could tell I might stall, and they might be blind, and they would hit me, so I'm just going to wait. And I was just like, oh, Oh, dear Jesus, please help me, help me, because I've got an agenda. And she wasn't fitting into my agenda, right? I got to get there on time. And you're supposed to know, why are you driving the speed limit for Pete's sake, right? Everyone knows the cops give you a 10% 10, 10 buffer zone, right? <laughs> don't tell Officer Lance I said that. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure that's true. You can do it. You don't have to go the speed limit. Uh, and I'm just, oh, this precious daughter of God. I wanted her to speed up. 
and I couldn't pass her. I couldn't get around her. And I was just, I said, well, that's impatience. That's my impatience. That's my impatience. Speaking of. See, impatience is, is when other people don't fit into our agenda. We have an agenda. We want people or circumstances to fit into that. We, don't, we get frustrated. And what else we do is we, we impose, just on, on people around us, we impose this endless list to, uh, to, to this. It's impossible to gratify. It's impossible to meet up to our list for other people too, right? We, we have this whole list of supposed tos, right? We're like, you're supposed to drive this way. Everyone's supposed to know this is the way you, you do things, right? Or, or, you know, with young people, we'd be like, oh, you're supposed to do this by this age, right? Or if you're a mature Christian, you're supposed to already be this way and to have moved past this and to stop doing this. And what's wrong with you? People around, you know, it might be people around you at work or at church. They're supposed to do things this way. The, the, the worship team's supposed to do things this way. The ushers are supposed to do it this way. The greeters, everybody knows the greeters are supposed to do things this way and they're not living up to my agenda. And when people don't meet with all of our supposed tos, then we get very angry and that's called impatience because impatience and anger is really about me. Right? Right? Do it my way. Do it at my speed. Do it how I want and do it when I want it. And, and when it doesn't happen, that, that gulf between our agenda and our reality, that's called the impatience, right? That we have this agenda, we have the way things we need it to go, and then there's this huge gulf between those things and impatience. And we naturally impose this standard on everybody around us. And notice that standard is always self-serving. There's something... I have to admit that I find in myself, I might be the only one here, but I get really impatient when the driver ahead of me is going really slow. And then I get just as impatient and upset when the driver behind me is riding my bumper. That's interesting, right? When the guy behind me is going too fast, how dare you rush me along you. I'm just going to slow down a little bit more. I'll show you, teach you, bless God. Yeah, it's always self-serving. See, it's always self-serving. And it's an impossible to meet standard that we just impose on people around us in the world that we just expect them to know. And when it comes to Christians, impatience is especially unfair because we tend to judge people really harshly for sins that are not like a temptation for us. You ever notice that? Like, you know, like, I don't know. How dare those people take heroin or whatever it is. You know, God, I'm so amazing. I didn't have heroin today. And he's like, that's not really a temptation for you. So you don't get a gold star or anything. But, you know, we judge people for whatever it is. It's not really a temptation for us. And we are very, very tolerant of things. We're more merciful for things that we struggle or things that we have decided to just tolerate. It's easier to impose standards and judge other people out of our success. That's why God says, don't judge you just make a lousy judge. Because for one thing, you're not perfect enough to sit in that seat of judgment. Number two, it's not love. It's just not love. It's not ascribing unsurpassable worth. And in fact, it dehumanizes people. It dehumanizes them into this category, and it's based solely on their failure to measure up to your arbitrary standard. So it's dehumanizing, and it's wrong, and it's toxic, and it's sin, and it's unchristlike. And Jesus said, don't judge. He said, don't. I mean, Jesus actually said this, with the measure you use, however much you judge them, it will be measured back to you. My goodness, I mean, do we ever think he might be telling the truth, right? How merciful do I want him to be to me? 
And in many ways, patience is, is, giving, is, is giving other people the space to be unlike you. They're just not on your timeline. They're not on your agenda. They're at a different place. They have a different story. Patience is giving people the space to be unlike you. It's affirming the unsurpassable worth of someone who is perhaps very different from you. And when we have made ourselves the center of the universe, when we've made ourselves the judge on, judge on the bench, uh, that creates impatience, it creates anger, frustration, and pride, which, you know, some people say is the worst sin of all. So, let's, let's bring this to a close and ask, how do we grow in this area? How do we grow? Okay, Scott, you've really beat me up here. <laughs> Give me some hope here. How do we grow in this? How do we let God grow this fruit of impatience? Uh, fruit of patience <laughs> in us. Here's a couple of things we can work on. Number one, number one, die to yourself as judge and center. As long as we're living in the center, as the center, thinking the world revolves around us, it's impossible for the one who is the center the one who does sit on the throne, it's impossible for him to rule and reign in our heart. So if you want to not just be a person who fakes it, you might be really good. Kudos to you. You might be excellent at faking it. You know, you might have been just have a lifetime of stuffing that anger down. But if you want to go do better and, and not just act more patient while you're stuffing down the rage and the anger, but if you want to really develop this fruit, this Jesus fruit of patience, we got to get out of the chair that's meant for Jesus alone. And, and this may not be something that you're consciously doing, right? You, you might not be aware of it, but we have to search our heart. Just search it really honestly. Does the world revolve around me, including my religion, God, people at work, people who are different from me, culturally, politically, whatever it is? Am I using them to meet my needs? Or or even more, are we, are we feeding on the fact that we are different in order to feed our own inflated self-worth? I'm different from them, and that feeds my self-worth. Am I using that to feed me? Because if that's the case, then, then you'll never be patient in this biblical sense. You're imposing this unfair standard of your own as a strategy for, for being happy. So we need to do what Paul says, which is crucify ourselves daily. We've got to crucify ourselves daily. Die to ourselves as the judge in the center. Die to the idea that we're the center, which means, number two, we accept God as judge and center. Make him the center of your life, the source of your life, the source of your significance, the pattern of your, your attitude toward other people. Be like Jesus his attitude towards people, be like him, so that all of your needs, all of your needs and your self-worth, all those relational needs, those emotional needs you have, your identity, those are profound needs that we have. May they be met by our relationship with Jesus, not based on a comparison of how better we are than anybody or how well other people are fitting into our agenda. Because we want to we orbit Jesus. We want to orbit God. He doesn't orbit you. And as Christ followers, like Mel said, we proclaim Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And out of the fullness of that, then, comes the third thing that we're now in a position we can begin to do, which is to choose to love other people no matter what. Just choose to love other people. And remember, that's not like feeling 
warm romantic thoughts. That doesn't mean, that's not love. What is love? It's the choice to acknowledge other people's unsurpassable worth as infinitely valuable, right? So the change in our actions is going to follow the change in our attitude. It's not about faking patience. It's changing the direction that we're oriented now. We're going to put God first in our life. We're going to put him on the throne, let him be on the throne. And so that his love can become our love. And the result, the result is going to be this beautiful, genuine outflowing of patience that maybe we never thought possible. And remember this, patient or fruit, it grows slowly. You gardeners, fruit grows slowly, doesn't it? You never plant a seed and you get to go the next day and go have yourself a delicious, juicy fruit. Sometimes it grows slowly. Sometimes it takes all seasons. Sometimes it takes like several seasons, right? Like a couple of years to get to where it's something edible. Fruit grows slowly. We want to say, Lord, give me patience. Now! It grows slowly. So let the Lord do what he does. The Apostle James tells us, he tells us, let patience have his perfect work so that you may be perfect and complete. That is a slow process. So that means it's going to take time. That means we're going to have to have patience while God grows patience in us, right? We have to have patience for that. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, as we go out of this place today. Uh, that you would continue to just to reveal in us all the areas where our self, that we've still put it at the center, where we have imposed our own agenda, where all the, we have all these supposed to's that we've imposed on other people. Father God, free us from this. Free us, Lord, to be just outrageously loving toward Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Father God, help us to be loving toward other people, Lord God. Help us to live, help help us that the Lord will live in us and through us, Father God, that his spirit will live in us and through us. Help us to let go of the agendas in our life, Father God, to give people space to be different from us, Father. We want to partner with what your spirit is doing. We look forward to what what you're up to, the ways you're shaping us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, stand to your feet. Amen. Uh, As our prayer partners are coming forward, if there's anything in the world that you need prayer about, we would love to pray with you. These guys would love to pray with you, whatever's going on in your life. If you would like to say yes to Jesus today for the first time and experience this beautiful love of his, uh, it's just, it's life-changing. We encourage you to come up. If you want to send us your prayer request, we would love to send it. You can send it to us electronically, and we have a lot of, we've got a whole prayer chain of folks who are just excited. i tell you what, their, their phone dings, there's a prayer request. They'd stop right there, and they just go after it in faith and pray with you about whatever that that need is and uh, God will meet it. Amen. So my friends, may the love of the Lord Jesus, may the grace of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and may that patience have his perfect work in you this week in this day that we're living in. Amen. Grace and peace be with you. Bye-bye.